Have you ever wondered how you could join the Brew News crew? Well, swing over to patreon.com slash brewnewspod and you can join us. We have three different tiers for all of our patrons. At the logger level, you earn early access to all of our podcast episodes. At the IPA level, you get early access to our podcast episodes, but you get special weekly beer tastings that are done by various members of the crew. And you get special video presentations, including our Beer Miss Special. At the stout level, you get everything you get at the IPA level, but you also get to appear on one episode of the Brew News Pod, and when we have some swag, we'll send some your way. So feel free to swing over to patreon.com slash brewnewspod. That again is patreon.com slash brewnewspod, and join the crew. Welcome to the Brew News Podcast, all the news that's fit to be brewed. I'm Andrew Jennings. And I'm Travis Matherly. Join us as we go a little bit deeper behind the breweries of your favorite beers and learn about new breweries from around the world. We will be exploring the history and beers of craft brewers and hope to showcase the amazing talent and variety found within the craft beer community, both in the U.S. and abroad. This week we'll be focusing on Ballast Point Brewing out of San Diego, California. Andrew, first impression or first experience with Ballast Point? Ooh, first impression. First impression was I was excited to do this brewery. First experience with Ballast Point, probably a Sculpin. It may have actually been one of their seasonals with the little skull character on it, because he is just so funny, the little skeleton guy. But let's just say Habanero Sculpin, just for oh, just for fun. That's a terrible start. Oh, it, it is. I mean, I kept going back, but yeah, I agree with that. I don't think I would have gone back if that had been my first experience <laughs> with that brewery. First impression was I thought it was kind of cool like the nautical theme the yeah. sextant on the cans and the label Sir, this is a family friendly podcast we can't be talking about your tents of sex <laughs> my sex tunts <laughs> with an a <laughs> yeah i think uh i got introduced Would to this that be by... a sax tent then no s-e-x-t-a-n-t i changed the a <laughs> oh okay there you go a sax tent no <laughs> do, 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 do. no no Throw, throw, throw some sax tones in there. <laughs> some smooth jazz. Some smooth jazz. <laughs> now, this is, uh, I think I got introduced to this brewery by a friend of ours, and I'm pretty sure the first one I ever had from them was Grapefruit Sculpin. Adam. No. Oh, it wasn't Adam? No. Because that's a, like his go-to. It was LV. Oh. <laughs> As for a lot of things in the craft beer industry, I can think our friend LV. Uh, he and his wife having lived in Vegas for a while, oh. and his wife went to college in California so they were out there all the time they knew Ballast Point the artwork on the can always called to me especially the sculpins with the, the fish on the back and um, mm-hmm. the the nautical theme like you say like that that sort of it re- didn't resonate necessarily I mean I'm not an old sea captain no you're not a naughty by nature person <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay <laughs> I thought that was good that was okay well that's really all I know about them prior to to now so yeah i mean it was honestly after i started having ballast point not soon after i had discovered him was oh hey by the way they just sold out oh and it was like so we as craft beer drinkers are boycotting them obviously we're not yeah i guess i'm uh <laughs> guess i'm moving to another brewery now yeah well i think that's enough to about what we've known let's uh let's learn about the history itself Let's dive a little deeper ah. into the history of Ballast Point Brewing. We're sticking with the nautical theme here. It was founded in 1996 in San Diego, California by Jack White. Not the same Jack White of the White Stripes. Are you sure? 
I'm almost certainly positive it's not that <laughs> Jack White. <laughs> it is actually named for the Ballast Point Lighthouse, which is a historical site in San Diego at Port Loma. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. They originally started homebrewing in college. Uh, it was Jack White and his roommate Pete Ahern. A what? Ahern. Ahern? Ahern? Ahern. Something. You heard about Ahern. I, you heard with Pete. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once they, you know, they got out of uh, college. Actually, Jack started a homebrew supply store, the Homebrew Mart, in 1992 in San Diego. But mainly, it was because he couldn't find the equipment and ingredients he wanted to homebrew. This became a place where many of the homebrewers would come, collaborate, and discuss brewing techniques. Jack and his store are actually credited as the major player to the rise of the San Diego craft brewing scene, which is pretty ballin' these days. Yeah, and so they say a lot of his original customers, when he opened up the store, went on to found their own breweries. Um, I couldn't get any specifics on which ones might have been founded because of him, but they're inherently credited with yeah. helping raise up the craft beer scene in San Diego from obscurity. I would look for breweries that are IPA-focused <clears throat> out of San Diego in the mid-90s, something like Green Flash. Yeah. Uh, that wouldn't be surprising to me at all. Or possibly Russian River, Pliny the Elder, that kind of stuff. Russian River's much further north. Oh, it is. I don't know California San Diego, geography. San Diego is on the border with Mexico. True. Russian River is up by San Fran. See, it all just <laughs> feels like Southern California to me. But San Francisco's... <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea where things are in California. Geography. It's a fun time. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Anyway. <laughs> so in 96, Jack began brewing out of the back of his supply store and... Um, well, before 96, he started brewing. And then in 96, he founded Ballast Point. Yep. He brought his friend Pete back into the company. I guess Pete had gone off to... Uh, well, he got his master's in brewing from UC yeah. Davis. There you go. He brought Pete in as the founding head brewer as he had obtained his master brewing certification at UC Davis during this time. Pete's stay at the company, however, was very short-lived. It didn't say how long he was there, but it said he left shortly after the company was founded to become a science teacher. I have been a science teacher, and I will tell you... You would rather be a brewmaster? Yes. <laughs> 100% yes. <laughs> just, yeah, that's really interesting that you go through the trouble of getting your master brewer certification and then want to become a science teacher. Unless you were teaching brewing at a college, which would be pretty awesome. That would work, but even so, I'd rather be brewing. Yeah. After Pete's departure, they had already hired another guy called Yusuf Cherney who was an award-winning home brewer before Pete left, and uh, he then assumed Pete's role as the head brewer of Ballast Point. So this is an interesting concept that um, a lot of times these, it's actually very cool to see these home brewers moving up and becoming larger scale brewers, because I can tell you it's not necessarily, okay, I'm going from five gallons to five barrels, so I need um, X more, yeah, X more, because you have to really do the do the math and like know how the conversions work, because they're not necessarily a one for one. And the sheer amount of equipment, yeah, and the cost. With a a brewery, you're not like a home brew. I can do that on my kitchen stove. I do that on my kitchen stove. We do that on a grill. Like you can do these things at home. Yeah. But when you're trying to like really move up and you're trying to do ladder tons and mash tons and all that jazz, just learning how to get that. And you're not going to stand around all day with a wooden spoon stirring it just yep. to make the mash. It just Thank God for work. mechanization. Yeah. So, like, you have to learn all that. And this is the mid-90s. You know, things aren't super crazy. 
Uh, I wonder if they went and got any information like the you know, Sierra Nevada was borrowing technology from the Germans, even if they didn't say they were, because they were buying brewing equipment from German companies. So I'm wondering if Ballast Point did something similar. I wouldn't be surprised at all if that was the case. So Ballast Point's first beer as a company was called the Ballast Point Special. Now, I that's all they said that it was, but I don't know if that is something that has since be, been renamed as another beer. Yeah. I couldn't find that out, so I don't know if that Ballast Point Special like ended up being the Sculpin or some other kind of beer that they brewed. But well, we uh, know it's not the Sculpin. Yeah. Because the Sculpin doesn't show up until 2004 or five. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know if it's some other beer that they still make that they renamed, or if it was just the first thing they made and then they quit making it. Who knows? Um, so in ninety, so they were founded in ninety six. In ninety nine, they began packing beers and hand labeling. That was in ninety nine. So three years later, uh, in two thousand four, they moved to a large facility in Scripps Ranch. And as Travis has ex- shown us his amazing California knowledge, where's Scripps Ranch, Travis? I'm gonna say it's probably down there with San Francisco, San Diego, L.A. Um, <laughs> You know, two of Davis. those work. <laughs> Sacramento's got to be down there too. I Not mean. at all. <laughs> oh gosh, Sacramento and San Francisco are closer to the entire than state. They are to LA. I think the entire state of California is just like contained in the lower half that touches Mexico. <laughs> San Diego is a short train ride from LA, but that's it. Everything else is like a day drive. Oh. Like, oh, yeah, let's just pop over to San Diego. Yeah, that's only fourteen hours away. <laughs> oh, okay, so. Uh, in 04, they moved to their, their brewing facility in Scripps Ranch. In 05, they brewed Sculpin. Sculpin is now their flagship beer. Yeah, by far. If you've seen Ballast Point at all, you've probably seen Sculpin. Yeah. That is the ubiquitous beer for Ballast Point. Yeah. And with their original founders and with the original crew, they really were focused on home brewing as much mm-hmm. as anything else. So the Sculpin is actually a combo of two different homebrew recipes. Yeah, that's interesting to me that they would do that. I wonder how that came about or like how you would be like, I like this one. Well, I kind of like this one. Well, let's mix them together and see what happens. It may have been a blend. So like when I was, when we did our first pale ale, mm-hmm. um, I took the recipe that I was given and I listened to a brewer on uh, his on his podcast about how he brews and I stole some of the hop ingredients from his and his hop edition times and then I created my own dry hopping method. Our well, first conversation, Andrew went completely off script. <laughs> um, hey, first time I'm ever doing this. You know what? Let's just forget it. I'm going to dry hop the crap out of this thing. Yeah, rules be damned. <laughs> yeah. We're not uh, <laughs> adhering to German purity laws here by any chance. Uh, uh, but, they, but, wouldn't, they wouldn't even make a pale to start with. It was German purity laws. Let's be true real. that. <laughs> um, so then Ballast Point kind of takes an interesting turn here. In 2008, they founded Ballast Point Spirits, and it was the first distillery in San Diego since Prohibition. Their first liquor is called Old Grove Gin. They now have a portfolio of 14 different liquors with two cocktail mixers that come in cans. And I saw this years ago, and they don't really market anymore, and we'll get into probably why why you don't see that later. They made cocktails in a can. So they would make a gin and tonic in a can. They would make a Bloody Mary in a can. Like Oscar Blues. Yeah, and they would sell it. So that was um, something that stuck with me that Oscar Blues does that, but Ballast Point started doing that 10 years ago yeah and oscar blues just started so they only yeah. have what the is a g and t in a tan 
Yeah, and the Moscow Mule. The Moscow Mule, not gin, gin and tonic. Yeah, the Moscow yeah. Mule yeah, is yeah. the only thing they have. But this, um, yeah. you know, liquor laws in California are probably a little more relaxed than here in the Bible Belt. <laughs> oh, gosh. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we we just won the right to drink beer before noon on a Sunday, so. I'll it, take it because some states you still can't even get beer on Sunday. We're looking at you, South Carolina. Actually, no, South Carolina is much more open. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. South Carolina is weird. Yeah, you don't look at South Carolina. Look towards, um, like, some of the states. I was just in, like, Connecticut, Vermont, New Hampshire. I'm not saying they all have the same laws, but they have some odd restrictions that in is the Northeast. Weird. Well, they have, they're older, so they didn't come up in a time. They came up in puritanical law. They were founded by Puritans, which don't, and shockingly, Puritans don't like alcohol at all. All right, now we're getting off into the Salem Witch Trials and the scarlet letter so let's uh veer back out to the west coast to the more recent past yeah. in 2013 they opened <laughs> their third location uh but before that in 2010 they opened they uh got three gold medals at the 2010 world beer cup and they won the small brewery award small brewery champion award yep at the world beer cup and then as andrew just mentioned in 2013 they opened their third location in little italy in san diego this was their first venture into the restaurant industry and uh, their location in Little Italy also serves as their R&D brewing facility. Which will be very important when we get to some of the beers they make. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 2014, they outgrew their original location at the Scripps Ranch. So they finished a fourth facility, a 107,000 square foot facility in the Miramar? Miramar. District of San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, they got two large copper kettles from Germany, from lower Germany. Sounds very familiar. Like a Sierra Nevada would have done that. Would you say it's folklore? <laughs> no. Andrew, no. If you can see the look Andrew's giving me. Although I do want to mention they did keep their facility in Scripps Ranch. They just expanded Bandit, into yeah. this other one. So they didn't leave Scripps Ranch when they opened this one in Miramar. Yeah, so they're not taking a tact like Sierra did where they had their facility in Chico and just expanded, expanded, expanded until it got too big and they were having trouble with distribution so they opened an East Coast location. Mm-hmm. But they did open an East Coast location <laughs> in yeah. 2017. Uh, they opened a brewery in Virginia in Daleville in case you're curious, Daleville is just outside of Roanoke. Roanoke mm. is in the Appalachian Mountains. Um, and, and in case you're curious and you don't know where Roanoke is, it is a small town in Virginia. It is almost two hours north of Greensboro. If you don't know where Greensboro is, that's an hour and a half west of Raleigh. If you don't know where Raleigh is, it's six hours south of D.C. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't know where to. Don't if, know if we to, can't help you anymore. Help you at this point. <laughs> but the one in Daleville is actually close to home, and I had no idea that that thing was in Virginia. I didn't either. So we were looking at um, where to go for like New Year's. We're gonna, my wife and I are looking for some places to go fun for New Year's. And we looked at Roanoke because we bought the Deschutes Brewery that's in Roanoke. Yep. I Coming up in a later episode. Right. But I, <laughs> I didn't even know that this was the Ballast Point was in Daleville because we were searching breweries in Roanoke and it doesn't even pop up. Yeah, that's uh, it's really interesting. So they opened that one in Daleville, Virginia in June of 2017 and they were producing beer by September and sent the first keg of Sculpin from that brewery to the governor of Virginia. Wow. Yep. And now in 2018, I did know this, is they actually opened a R&D brewery in Chicago. Um, yeah. And their brewery is actually pretty close to where the Lagunitas is in Chicago. There's a strip of larger breweries like Ballast Point, Lagunitas. I think Finch's might be up there too. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all fairly close to each other. Yeah, and that's also a R&D brewery slash restaurant yeah. in Chicago's West Loop. I don't know Chicago at it's all. It's okay. So. It's just like it's a, just a quick train ride from the like center of downtown. 
Ah. Just south of the Miracle Mile. Mm-hmm. Well, they're also involved in various charities and nonprofits with focuses on environmentalism. Our old, our old friend environmentalism is back. Waste reduction and all of the norms that we see from craft breweries, you know, like water quality. Local stuff too. Local charities yeah. giving back. And my note here just says nothing overly impressive or on the level of some of the other breweries that we've highlighted, especially for as big as they are now. Right. Um, but they're still involved in their community. I think a lot of their stuff with them being based out of San Diego has to do with, you know, the local water and beaches and things like that, which is still admirable. Yeah. And so now we are moving on to a section that I aptly named the sellout and the fallout. Uh, well, uh, Jack White, our illustrious founder, was ser- served as the CEO of the company from 92 to 2015. Um, Kearney was the COO, o, COO and head brewer during that time, and Jim Bushler became the president and general manager in 2012. He became the CEO after White left, and White uh, was left with the title of founder. Yeah, so Jack White served as CEO until 2015, departs the company. Bushler then takes over the role of CEO along with president in 2015. White was no longer working at the company, but he was still affiliated with it. I guess he had an ownership stake in the company still. Yeah. Um, And then in October of 2015, Ballast Point Brewing and Spirits, because they changed their name after they opened the uh, liquor line, filed an initial public stock offering. Uh, Good old IPOs. Yep. However, in November, Constellation Brands announced that it would be acquiring the company for $1 billion Dollars and yes, that is billion with a B. One billion dollars. That is a lot of money. Yeah, I'd take that cash. I'll take that cash all day. Um, gotta love that money. Who gotta love that money? So, <laughs> Ow! So, so this one, Ballas one is pretty big already. Like it's not like Wicked Weed. They sold for what, hundred and thirty mil? Something in that range. I've I've seen anything from like hundred and ten to hundred and thirty. So, uh, roughly. Thirteen percent of what Ballast Point sold for, but Wicked Weed was a very small regional brewery as mm-hmm. opposed to Ballast Point, which in 2015 I was drinking Ballast Point in North Carolina. Which, as of 2015, they hadn't expanded into Chicago or their Virginia brewery. their Virginia brewery, but they still have a national footprint as being distributed nationally. Right. Um, so this buyout was complete in uh, December, and it was the first major December of 2015, not December of this year. Uh, and it was the first major brewery in San Diego to sell out. Now they sold out to an interesting brand. It's not quite the uh, the one that gets the craft brewer folks up in arms about. Yeah, it doesn't get a lot of uh, craft brewery people's panties in a bunch. Yeah, um, Constellation Brands is a Fortune 500 company. They're an international producer of beer, wine, and spirits. They are the largest beer importer by sales volume and had the third largest market share of beer of all major beer suppliers. They supply 7.4% of beer to the U.S. market. To the US market. Yeah. And their brands are something you've heard of. Um, they, In terms of their beer portfolio, they include Corona, Modelo, Pacifico, Ballast Point, of course, and Funky Buddha, yep. which explains why we're starting to see that all over the place. Yeah, the only Funky Buddha you used to see was the actual Funky Buddha in the Buddha bottle, and now you see all of their other beers around here, and I didn't know why until I researched this episode, and then it oh, explained you know. it perfectly. Um, they also have notable brands. Uh, 
just say they have over a hundred brands in their portfolio. They also uh, have wineries that include Robert Mondavi, Miomi, and Claude Dubois. Claude Dubois. Mm-hmm. I, that's a good Chardonnay, though. If you're at a restaurant and you want a cheap Chardonnay, just get a Claude Dubois. Mm-hmm. And they also have uh, liquors such as Svetka Vodka and High West Whiskey, which explained something else that we'll get to later, which is why I found Victory at Sea aged in High West whiskey oh, barrels. Oh, interesting. Yep. All right. In 2016, however, all the four founders, including White, Sherney, and Blucher, they had all gone. So Mm -hmm. that was two years ago. There are no founders of this brewery left. They, uh, quote, unquote, left to pursue other interests. And some of this stemmed from a dispute over their spirits line, which was not part of the original sale. So what to do with that liquor line? I guess they were arguing as to whether or not they would sell the liquor line if Constellation Brands was trying to just kill it off and get rid of it, and they wanted to keep it. So what happened was White and Cherney have now since moved the spirit operations to a new company that they called Cutwater Spirits. I've looked them up. I believe that they may also make beer. They're on Untapped, I think. Okay. They currently make 16 different beers. So here you have these guys built their company up, sold out, got into a dispute with the new parent company, took their billion dollars and left, which... I would. I mean, four guys who are founders and split a billion dollars. That, uh... I mean, yeah. If I, I had a billion dollars. That song's about, like, one one-thousandth of that. <laughs> yeah, for real. It's about a mill. A mil. <laughs> I'd rather take the billion. But, uh, I mean... And so they've taken their money, <laughs> and they went home and said, screw you guys, we're going to start another company. Screw you guys, I'm going over here. <laughs> <laughs> we're making new beer, and we are taking the liquor with us. So that explains a lot of things we'll talk about later. But um, let's talk about the beers they're currently brewing. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have they Ballast Point's interesting that they break everything up into series. So they have the flagship series. These are all their beers in the series are seven percent ABV or above, and this is their signature beers. These are award winners and pinnacles of the style, according to Ballast Point. These mm-hmm. include the Sculpin and all its variants, yep. uh, which includes grapefruit, unfiltered, Aloha, and pineapple. Yep. The Manta Ray Double IPA and the Victory at Sea Imperial Porter. And I do, I've never had the Manta Ray Double, but I do like the Victory at Sea Imperial Porter. I've had the Manta Ray. <clears throat> I don't remember it. The Victory at Sea is interesting because it comes in some variants, which I'll talk about here in a second. Uh, then they have the Discovery series. All the beers in this series are 6% alcohol or less. It's a great way to discover Ballast Point through their approachability and exceptional quality. This includes the Fathom IPA, which we'll be having later, the Benito Blonde Ale, the Mango Even Kill Session IPA, which we'll be having later, the California Kolsch, which is year-round only in California. Otherwise, it's a limited release. Um, They say this is the beer that launched Ballast Point. So this could be the Ballast Point special. It could have been. It also just could have been that one thing that they made that clicked. Yep, that really just got people going, although you would think it would be Sculpin. No, I wouldn't. Because at the time when they started to expand out, IPAs were not a big thing. Even Sierra didn't brew an IPA until 2008. Oh, well, yeah, I guess so. That makes sense. But that's interesting that they say that that California coach is the one that launched them into fame. Uh, Then they have the long, thin logger. I've never seen it. Yeah, well, it's a limited release out here. The Grunion Pale Ale, which is a limited release. The Tart Peach Kolsch, which is also a limited release. And the Made in San Diego Golden Ale. It is a year-round in San Diego County only. Uh, 
San Diego. San Diego. I think scholars contend that the meaning of that beer was lost <laughs> centuries ago. I'm pretty sure it's just a light golden ale. Well, agreed to disagree. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting to make an Anchorman reference this entire episode. Yeah, it's it's been a it's been a long time coming. Uh, so they also have the Explorer series, and this is where they put all their wild beers. Um, this includes their watermelon Dorado IPA. Uh, in case you're curious, a lot of these things are fishes. So the Sculpin, the Dorado, uh, mm-hmm. the Grunion, the Longfin. These are all fish names. Benito. The Benito. There's the Tongue Buckler Imperial Red Ale, the Sour Winch Blackberry Ale, Moscow Mule Ginger and Lime Ale, Nitro Red Velvet Stout, which is a golden stout brewed with beets, chocolate, and natural flavors. Mm. And then they also have their Dead Ringer Oktoberfest, which we'll be drinking later, and the High West Victory at Sea! Yep, and that is the Victory at Sea aged in High West bourbon and rye barrels, which I had this last year, and it was hot. Hot, 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 hot. <laughs> I really should have let that one sit for a while, but I thought, you know what, let's crack it. And, and that was straight booze, but it was delicious straight booze. You would have enjoyed a beer I had this weekend. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, that uh, all of the Explorer series are limited releases that vary in ABV and style, so there's really no rhyme or reason to that one. It's just kind of what they do. Yeah. Then they have the Homework series, which we will be having one tonight, and we'll talk about it. Yeah. A little more later, but it is a released under the Homebrew Mart name, which was the original homebrew store. They're small batch releases. They're based on homebrew recipes from the founders of Ballast Point and the employees. All recipes are available for homebrewers, and there's eight different batches currently. Each batch is brewed one time only, one-offs, and they're done. Pretty much. And it's an interesting series that I couldn't find hardly anything about. Um, you can't find anything on their website about it, uh, and we start searching for it, and there was a big brouhaha about it prior, you know, back in 2013 when it launched, and then after that, it sort of falls apart. Crickets? Yeah. I Great. mean, I for well, the one we're drinking is batch seven. They have eight batches out there, and I could not find hardly anything about it, and there's no mention anywhere in Ballast Point's um, information that it's, it's available. You know, that's interesting that it maybe it was a... Uh creation of the owners and since the split they've yeah. uh <laughs> decided to not publicize that one the, the falling out seems to have been fairly nasty from everything that i was able to read and then we move on to the miscellaneous so this again like some of the other brewers we've done like with founders are beers that i know for a fact i have had or have seen and they don't list them on their website which brings us to uh Habanero Sculpin. Nope. Disgusting. Thai Chili Wahoo. Woohoo! Disgusting. Wahoo is a fish, though Habanero and the Thai Chili will burn your throat out. They are so spicy, there is no beer flavor there whatsoever. So the Thai Chili makes sense, and the Habanero too, because where San Diego is located, they have mm-hmm. a ton, that's where a ton of uh, immigrants from Asian Asia are, as well as they're right next to the Mexican border, so it makes sense I'd have spicy beers for those. Uh, I'm okay with spicy beers, and I like chili beers, but I don't want a beer that specifically tastes like I am drinking liquid pepper juice with no beer flavors. Fair. There's a difference between a chili beer and something having chili flavors, and then just being painful and impossible to drink. Eh, fair enough. And uh, <laughs> then you have the Wahoo Pale Ale, which is the original of the Thai chili, Big Eye. IPA. Dorado Double IPA. Calm Before the Storm Cream Ale. That's actually pretty good. Oh. Had that one. 
the Even Keel IPA, uh, Pumpkin Down Pumpkin Scotch Ale. I do like that one. Um, which I think may, yeah, that's a good one. That is a good one. Um, I do think the Edinburgh Scotch, the Edinburgh Pumpkin is better, but personally. Um, the California Amber, the Indra Kunidra. I'm going to let you handle that one. Cause you- Indra Kunindra, foreign export stout. It is curry flavored. I've never bought it. There is a giant, like, yellowish curry colored octopus on the front of it. And I have heard people say, if you don't like curry or don't absolutely love curry, you will hate this beer because it just tastes like curry. Yeah. They also have the Peppermint Victory at Sea. Delicious. That would be good. The Commodore American Stout. I've had that one. That one's pretty good. Sea Monster Stout. Never even heard of it. Coconut Victory at Sea. Nope. Wahoo! White. Uh, Piper Down Scottish Ale. Black Marlin Porter. Barmy Belgian Strong Ale. Strong Golden Ale. Strong Golden Ale, yes. (laughs) Got them doubloons. The Sea Rose Pale Wheat Ale in the Sextant Oatmeal Style. Family friendly, Travis. We are. (laughs) Talking about our sextants. (laughs) Oh. There's a sextant on every bottle. And if we didn't talk about that earlier, everything Ballast Point does is nautical themed. They either have, as Andrew mentioned, some kind of fish or sea creature on the front or they have this recurring skeleton character that is dressed in different regalia depending on the beer that is being sold yeah. like the uh i know for instance the commodore american stout he's dressed like an old commodore in like, like ship a ship captain yeah and like a yeah. big purple ship captain suit. And the, the sea winch is a skeleton dressed in um like old-timey uh, what beer we think winch. of yeah when we think of beer winch or when you think of like a uh, a barmaid from like pirate times like mm-hmm. 18, like the 1700s yeah so it's all kind of like that and that's uh that pretty much does it for the beers that ballast point has so i think that was enough talking about the beer i'm ready to try some let's get drinking Our first beer tonight is the Dead Ringer Oktoberfest from Ballast Point. It is 6% ABV, 26 IBUs, and inspired by the Marzen style ales, which if you've listened to our Marzen episode, they're not ales, they're actually lagers. Uh, They should be at least. That's their mistake on the website. On the bottle though, it does, however, say traditional Marzen lager. Ah, well... Go figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's got loads of toasted malt with low hop bitterness, standard with a Marzen. Mm-hmm. Uh, sweet caramel toffee flavors and aromas, also fairly standard with the Marzen because of the malt they tend to use. And they say, no lederhosen required. But the skeleton on the label is wearing lederhosen with a beer stein and holding a pretzel. Wow. Okay. That's a... Uh... Mm-hmm. Well, so he's a German skeleton. He's a German skeleton. Ah, yes, the German skeleton. He's the ghost of Oktoberfest pasts. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> okay, so so I have a sort of, I think I've had this one last year. I don't remember much about it. We didn't have it in our tasting for the Marzins uh, for our Oktoberfest episode because uh, it ha- wasn't out yet when we recorded that. It's pretty standard. Yeah, it's nothing. I like the Great Lakes better. Personally. Yeah, I'm not really getting anything on the nose from this at all, mm-hmm. which is pretty Again, typical. Typical, of, yeah. You have a nice, clean nose where you're not picking up anything that offends, anything that um, excites, and mm-hmm. the taste is, it's got a nice caramel color. Yeah, I there's mean, maybe a, a hint of hoppiness in it. A t- the back end's a bit more bitter. It, it, it's drying my mouth out a bit more than most Oktoberfests do. Yeah, that's um standard stuff. I really, 
as far as their this style of beer it's kind of down there for yeah. me but i think they do a better job if we could have found it was the um their pumpkin the piper down which is their scottish ale it's a something down it might be a I think or it's piper, pumpkin down piper pump, down is pump, the scottish ale oh yeah the pumpkin down is their i actually like the edinburgh pumpkin better from blueprint oh uh, yeah um, I've had I had both of those last year because I was curious. Yeah, because the pumpkin down is that Scotch ale, that pumpkin Scotch. Yeah. It is better than their Marzen, mm-hmm. but uh, it was not. Um, yeah, that one was just okay for me. Yeah, all right, nothing really special. And so the next one, this is where it gets a little interesting. So this is their homework series, batch number seven. This is a session saison. We talked about it earlier in the show. Even though Ballast Point is so widely distributed, for some reason in our area, they've stopped carrying it nearly as much. I mean, we used to see bombers upon bombers and all their different kinds of beers, and now all of a sudden it seems like they've vanished. It just dried up. Because, I mean, even three weeks ago before we started buying for this episode... You could we could find Ballast Point. Yeah. yeah, it just dried up all of a sudden. Yeah, and so I don't know what the deal is with that. But Andrew, um, I'm going to let you talk a little bit about this homebrew. Bless you. <sighs> since so I, you, I'm holding it in for the pod. <laughs> since you uh, researched it all a right. little bit. Yeah. So the homeworks. Uh, it's called from the homework series. These are homebrew inspired, um, like we covered before. They're homebrew inspired recipes. This is a a Saison, like we talked about. It's 4.5% alcohol, 17 IBUs. It's interesting because, as we mentioned earlier, Ballast Point doesn't really acknowledge that they make the homework series. These batches are one-offs. Oddly enough, I couldn't find the most recent batch, which is batch 8. But I found batch 7, so... We're drinking probably a 2017 beer. (laughs) That's that's what I found, is I think the batch 7 was run in 2017. And I'm not entirely sure about that, but Saisons should... Age fine. Farmhouse saisons, those should be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not. This is not a, a hazy IPA that'll go bad yeah. on you. Real. This quick. isn't something that you are supposed to drink fresh. Yeah. Um. I mean, fresh is obviously better in most cases, but this is mm-hmm. brewed to be flavorful and refreshing session beer to be enjoyed all day long. Super easy drinking beer. And you're supposed to be able to find the recipes for the home homework series because that's the whole point. Is they want you to brew them at home. I can find a recipe for like two or three of the beers out of the series, but I have not mm-hmm. been able to find number eight. Number, sorry, number seven. Yeah, this is a, so I think this is an ode to their homebrew shop roots, where these mm-hmm. are like homebrewers that they're profiling a beer that they've made. Well, no, that's from the um, owners. Uh, homebrew Mart? Oh, Home, they're making it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's from the, it's an R&D development. The the number seven in particular comes from their R&D team. Oh. Um, but yeah, it's from their, um, they're doing a uh, release from that concept. So it's actually brewed under the Homebrew Mart label. Oh, uh, which is their original story. Yeah. And then, so when, okay. I, when I was running through the, sh- the shop and I found it, I, I was like, that logo looks familiar. I don't know who Homebrew Mart is. Keep it moving with this one anyways. Um, it pours a warm straw color with a slight haze. The aroma is spicy as expected from the Saison yeast. It's supposed to be light malt with a touch of rye and wheat to support the delicate flavor with a bit of hop spiciness. I It definitely has the Saison yeast aroma. It's not as pungent as I was expecting. It's actually... Fairly mild. This one's just kind of like slightly sour. It's over a year old. Yeah. Well, I mean, slightly <laughs> sour, but then also like I can kind of smell that spiciness. Maybe this was going to be more pungent if we had had it fresher. Yeah. Now that that sourness would show up anyway 
in a saison or a farmhouse mm-hmm. if done properly. See, now that is really different. I like that. I think it's that rye. Yeah. I don't think because you normally don't have a saison with rye in it. Yeah, um, the wheat gives it a little bit more sweetness to mm-hmm. combat any tartness, um, and that rye does give it a nice body. Yeah, the rye, rye in itself provides like a nice pepperiness to beers when you put it in it and mm-hmm. that is just a little bit of like peppercorn rye spiciness almost kind of banana-y too yeah i could see that it's not really um i guess a session saison it's not nearly as um saison-y as i expected yeah yeah they designed it to be a super easy drinking beer those are their words i think i don't know it's the words i could find on beer advocate <laughs> <laughs> uh but i found it on beer advocate and on tap in the exact same phraseology so my assumption is it came from the uh came from homebrew mart slash ballast point yeah uh, but yeah that that was shockingly good it was it was a nice refreshing version on the style i like that mm-hmm. yeah that was uh i mean and especially for probably about a year old beer at this point at least it's held up very well yeah well that takes us to a much fresher beer the mango even keel <laughs> uh now this is a 3.8 percent 40 ibu session ipa yes and it is their ideal beer for easy drinking which i assume means this is their version of not well not their version it's definitely more fruity but it would be uh, akin to the, not the Day Blazer, but uh, like the All Day from Founders, the mm-hmm. All Day session. Yeah, so this one's supposed to be fruitier. It's got notes of juicy mango, fresh herbs, and citrusy hop. And it says this beer is truly on another level. And this is something we're going to see a lot with uh, with uh, Ballast Point. They're just tossing fruits in there. There's fruits yeah, for days. I think that's kind of like that feels like more of a West Coast thing. Yeah. Well, it depends on, I guess it's a lot of the hot profile they're using, too. Sweet Jesus, that smells like fresh mangoes. It does. Uh, they, they do nail it. They've got, we've got another fruit beer coming up, which is not really a fruit beer. It's a fruit IPA. But I'm excited about all the their fruit-forward beers. That smells really good. Mm-hmm. That smells like a fresh-cut mango. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. like drinking a mango. It's not as I expected. It'd kind of be slightly more bitter. The hops on the back end are mild. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more... Lemony, yeah. It's not um, like an orange citrus. That's mango, but then the herb thing really comes through. Yeah, it blends really well with this. With the uh, yeah, it's like a fresh lemon, just a squeeze of lemon, just a touch, like you would uh, like like a lemon rind or something. Yeah, this is. Um, I'm trying to pick out what kind of herb that could be. Basil. I don't know if it's basil. That would be. I mean, eh. oregano. No, definitely not oregano. It could be like. <laughs> rosemary or thyme or basil it's one of those things it's a more savory yeah but that is extremely herbaceous yeah i I was just throwing out terms it's clearly not an italian spice (laughs) yeah (laughs) we're not making pizza sauce Ooh, but we do have that coming up all right (laughs) i mean not in the tasting just (laughs) we do eat dinner at some point (laughs) we're thinking about dinner that 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 was was... that's good i like yeah i think i like the smell better than i like the taste i feel i could sit if i sat down with a sixer of that and then the batch seven and the homework that we just had Mm -hmm. i could drink that all day it's not offensive it doesn't make me um well there's a reason that the even keel has a skeleton in a hammock on the beach oh yeah and the the skeleton is a lot of their uh artwork they use him a lot well everything is uh nautical but well, but the skeleton guy, like a like it's like a fish Recurring, tank skeleton. Yeah. yeah, it's sort of like the voodoo ranger from uh, New Belgium. New Belgium, yeah, the character itself. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, keep going. This brings us up to the rest of the beers, which 
are all IPAs from this point. We have no dark beers this evening. And they all look the same. <laughs> they do. Thank God we lined them up in the right order. The first one is Fathom IPA. This is 6% ABV, 50 IBUs. This is a West Coast style IPA with a touch of malt and zesty orange with piney hops. And its tag is just the right amount of depth. I want you to smell it and then I'm going to tell you what I think it smells like. Well, I wanted to just say it was funny that they say just the right amount of depth and there's a scuba diver on it. Oh, it's called a fathom, which is how True you measure that. depth? Yeah, there yeah. you go. Oh, see, that's a, that's a triple entendre. <laughs> Never go triple entendre. <laughs> Double is all most people can handle. <laughs> it's an inception. <laughs> wow. That is malty on the nose. I smell tang. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit like Tang. And yeah, I mean, it's malty, but it's also that orange comes through at the same time, so it's really... Sweet. It's like almost sicky sweet smelling. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, it is kind of sickly sweet smelling. It doesn't taste quite... It, oh, wow, that's sort of mild flavor. It sort of disappears. Hmm. I don't know if I like the way the malt plays with that. It is extremely malty up front. Yeah. But it's not a roasted malt. It's, it's a... It's a just a light malt. It's, it's... Yeah. Yeah, it's not a heavy roast. It's not even a... It's not, so it's not like sweet, like a caramelly sweet malt. Now you did the research for this. Did they put any of their malt types up? What they were using? I don't think they did. Um, to the interwebs. Honestly, when I was looking, I don't think their website. Like the, I'm almost 100 percent sure they don't tell you what's in it. Uh, I bet I can find a Fathom uh, IPA recipe clone. All right. That is. Um, Oh, that's why. They're calling it an IPL. Oh. As a See, on their website and on the can, it says IPA. IPA. Um, well, the L would just be, if they're doing it the way this clone recipe is stating, uh, then it should be lager yeast, which would explain a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the mash looks pretty standard. Two-row, Munich, Vienna, and Caramel Crystal, which would be more in line with a um, very light Oktoberfest, which yeah. is sort of what we're drinking here. Yeah, and this is... But it's a lot I feel freer. like... And that's what I think is messing with me, like, because the malt's not toasted. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't... I don't think that plays well with the orange. It's weird. And it uses... Uh, if this clone recipe is correct, it uses an interesting uh, flavor hop and aroma mm-hmm. hop. The atatum? 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 I don't know. There's an H and a T there. I'm not following. Yeah. But it's not... Atatum. Atatum. Now, that's assuming yet again. I'm assuming this clone recipe is correct. Yeah, that's still just, um, I don't think I actually care for that very much. I have had worse, but I've also had much better. <laughs> I think we've all had a lot worse. Okay, oh, yeah. this is a different recipe, different clone recipe, but all the same, still two row is the base base malt, mm-hmm. which is what, what I would expect from an IPA. See, that's just, yeah, I don't like the way the, I just really don't like that. There's I no drink. other way for me. <laughs> I would drink it if it's available. I wouldn't go out of my way to get it, though. No, I would not go if, out of my way to get it. If I'm that. sitting at a bar and it's Bud Light, Bud Light, Bud Light, Coors Light, Fathom, I'll get the Fathom. But if it's Bud Light, Coors Light, Fathom, uh, Sierra Pale Ale, I'm going to get the Sierra Pale Ale. <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay, well, let's... Uh... Let's get to the flagship, then. So let's oh, get, boy. Let's get out of the depths and move up to the top of the top of the pecking order. This is the Sculpin IPA. It's a 7% ABV, 70 IBUs. This is their flagship beer. If you've seen Ballast Point, you have seen the Sculpin. If you have seen none, no other Ballast Point beer, you have seen a Sculpin or a variant of Sculpin, as there are about 
five. Yes. This particular one ha is hopped five different times during the brewing process. So not quite dogfish head where every minute we're adding a little bit here and there. <laughs> yeah. This flavor should have hints of apricot, peach, mango, and lemon. It was a gold medal winner at the Great American Beer Festival. Uh, see, and that is uh, something that I was going to dispute because on their website they say it's a gold medal winner. And then because I searched Ballast Point, I then got a Instagram ad for Ballast Point. Mm -hmm. It says it won bronze in 2007 at the Great American Beer Festival. I mean, there's so many beer festivals. This uh, supposedly has 29 awards and it could be introduced multiple times. To yeah. Say, it could be, you could put this one at the GABF. We'll see, and there's a discrepancy there because their website says it's won 29 awards, but the Instagram post said it had won 34 and counting. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so they don't know what it's won. Well, let's be real. The Instagram's probably more up to date than their um, True that. Their website. website. Yeah, I, that's one thing that for our podcast makes it difficult because we're trying to get the history of breweries. Breweries mm. don't do a good job of letting people know because they don't have yeah. webmasters on site. Now, people like Sierra and New Belgium, they're so big that they have dedicated marketing teams that do that. Yeah. Well, you would think that some of these larger ones, like Ballast Point is a pretty big brewery. Well, and they're also wholly owned by a larger subsidiary. Yeah, so, so you would think they would have some kind of web development team like on top of that 24-7. Okay, so... <laughs> sorry, we just, we just went way off on that one. But, uh, so the Sculpin, uh, let's taste it. But I'm, as I'm looking at this can, there's a fish on the back, and I can't remember what that is. That's a Sculpin. That's a Sculpin. Okay. It's named after the fish. So they say that the Sculpin fish has stingers on the back of it. Yeah, and it, it looks can like pack a bit of a punch in the sting, but that a Sculpin fish's meat is actually highly desired. I've never eaten Sculpin. I don't... I think it's a Pacific fish. We don't get a lot yeah. of those. And they, that's why they named the beer after it. It says, while it may pack a bit of a bite, it's worth it to uh, yeah. savor the beer. So, uh, yeah, that's just where they went with that one, and they've put I mean, their namesake on it. The fish is a bottom dweller. Uh, looks, look at the picture. It's a bottom dweller with spines on the back that would raise up if you stepped on it. Yeah. Um, I mean, just don't grab a sculpin. Just grab it like you would a fish from the head forward and bend those spines down. Yep. So this... <laughs> Sorry. That's animal talk with Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you that don't know, Andrew has a degree in zoology. Woo-hoo! <laughs> that he is currently not using in any way, shape, or form. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to see if there was any way I could spin it. I'm not. No. So it is... Hoppy. The nose is piney. I'm getting a lot of pine on that. Yeah, I get a lot of pine, but I also do get like the the fruit. Um, not so much the lemon, but maybe the apricot and peach. I'll give you stone fruit. I will not give you mango and lemon. Yeah, I don't get the mango. Well, that is fairly bitter. It's an IPA. Like, yeah. This is what... When I talk to people and they say they don't like IPAs... This is what I picture they have drank in. Drunk. Or drank. Drank. Drink, drink, drunk. Mm. Mm-hmm. We'll get there. <laughs> but not tonight. No. Um, but that's, this is what I picture because this is fairly bitter. There's not one thing that really gets my jammies in a ruffle. But at the same time, if you don't like bitter things, you're not going to like this beer. Like, if you're going to make it this bitter, people kind of like the East Coast style where it's more mm -hmm. orange, citrusy. Mm-hmm. With the stone fruit, it's a meatier but milder yeah. fruit flavor. Stone fruits like peaches and apricots and that kind of stuff don't have that intense flavor when you buy it. Like they're good, but they're the flavor is not as strong as like an orange or a grapefruit or a mango or something like that. Like some of these tropical fruits that we do. Yeah, and that to me is just sort of a IPA. Yeah, I mean it's um it's a little piney. It's got 
good hop characteristic. It's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I'm sure their untapped rating or beer advocate is probably like a three point two or something like that. Ooh, I yeah, check. I mean it's it's a very popular beer. Obviously, it's also their flagship. Yeah. But I mean that's something that if you're into IPAs as a craft beer drinker, like it's a good one. It's different because it's not the citrus and it's not just your typical orange tangerine. Yeah tropical fruit oh um, wow 4.38 on uh beer advocate higher than i would think it would be yeah but it, it's a good representative of the style yeah that brings us to the next beer and the final beer of the evening this is the grapefruit sculpin ipa so this is the variant we said sculpin has five variants that a bunch this is one of them so you have as we mentioned earlier the grapefruit the aloha the pineapple the unfiltered and the habanero yeah what is the aloha i'm not 100 percent sure i think the aloha is just tropical fruit okay i think because so pineapple is its own thing right so but it's I, more mango forward i guess maybe i mean all of these sculpin variants are just like the addition of fruits to the original sculpin it's not like a brand new recipe the unfiltered i think is would be interesting to try i've had pineapple before i think habanero is terrible i've had habanero pineapple and i've had this grapefruit before i cannot tell you how much i detest habanero sculpin it's bad it is. It is. Just burn your mouth out. <laughs> Terrible. And it doesn't have anything like the La Pinguina we had where like there's a nice sweetness to it that balances it well. Yeah, it's just straight fire in yeah. your mouth. It's there's not a, a fun time. There's no redeeming quality <clears throat> in the back no. end of that. So the Grapefruit Sculpin is the same as the regular Sculpin. 7% ABV, 70 IBUs. They call it a grapefruit twist on the original Sculpin. Refreshing citrus and tart character complements the original recipe perfectly. And if you like grapefruit juice... You will love this beer. Um, that's really what I get on the back end. It's just straight grapefruit juice, which for me, I love grapefruit yeah. juice. And it's even, it changes the nose a little bit where like all of those hints of stone fruit kind of go away. They're gone. It's more citrusy, less piney, less resiny. That's, I like that personally. It's not what I'm expecting mm -hmm. from a beer because it is so grapefruit forward, but I really like yeah. grapefruit. So I'm a big fan. See, I don't like grapefruit personally, but... I like grapefruit IPAs. Mm -hmm. I like grapefruit beer. And I actually prefer the grapefruit Sculpin over the regular Sculpin. I do too. And this used to be like the thing that people went insane for. Like before Ballast Point got bought out, we had some friends who lived on the West Coast. Well, they had been to San Diego, been to Ballast Point, and they're like, grapefruit Sculpin was on tap. It was mm -hmm. before they put it in distro. It started coming out east. And when you would see it, people would go nuts and they're buying sixers of this for $14. And they're like, oh, you got to get, oh, we just got a grapefruit sculpin drop. Like everybody's got to rush to the store and buy grapefruit sculpin. And then like within six months of them getting bought out, it was like, it's in Harris Teeter. Grapefruit sculpin went from being so hard to find to yeah, it's in Harris Teeter. Yeah. It's in your local grocery store. So it's like nothing special about it really anymore. Well, in terms of getting it, but still, I mean, the whole premise of us tasting beers and things like that is to try new flavors. So if you haven't had Grapefruit Sculpin, I recommend it because I like grapefruit. Yeah. And I mean, I would recommend it. I actually recommend it over the regular Sculpin. That's just my personal preference. But... I think the regular Sculpin is a pretty banal IPA. Mm -hmm. I don't think it really brings much to the IPA group. 
it's a fine IPA, uh, but it's not it's nothing that like like I'm seeking it out. I'm not looking for it. I think Ballast Point does a lot of decent stuff. Mm-hmm. The Sculpin being their flagships, though, and you know all of the ones that we've talked about before. I just really hate that we weren't able to get our hands on a lot of the other beer that I would rather have done for this episode that I've had in the past from them. But that's why we do a second episode about every brewery where we don't talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. just drink their beer. Yeah, show but- idea. Thank you, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that said, Travis, what are your thoughts on Ballast Point now that you've we, we've done our research, we've done our history, we've done our tasting? Anything changed? Uh, I mean, I kind of... Ballast Point was honestly one of the... Like, I really started getting into their beer right before they got bought out. And then once they got bought out, it kind of soured my taste to them a little bit. I still pick up their stuff from time to time. I don't actively seek it out anymore. Um, there is some stuff like the... Uh, mentioned earlier high west uh victory at sea my brother-in-law got me that for a christmas present i believe and it was delicious some of their other beers like the commodore american porter Mm -hmm. is or that's an american stout i apologize that's really good and i think that there's a lot of other beer that they do that i prefer over a lot of the ones that we tried this evening coming in i had had all of these well i'd had half of them I'd had the sculpting grapefruit and the mm-hmm. dead ringer before. I think I know I'd have, I've had those three too. I don't think I'd had the the mango. I don't think I've had the fathom, and I know we hadn't had the homework series because uh, <laughs> oh, that was fun find. Yeah, that was a <laughs> random find in a local bottle shop. That that was, and like we said, that is number seven out of eight. So we have no idea how old that thing actually is. Yeah, I'm with you. Some of their more rare special release beers are really good, and they're fun to get, and they're taste excellent and it's i don't want to say i'm judging them because they sold out because i understand why you would and the fact that they didn't sell out to another another u.s distributor beer oligarch is one thing or mm. brazilian in the case of InBev. but i don't know it's hard to say i with none of the original founders there anymore yeah I don't know who's controlling their creative process. They don't talk about that. Mm-hmm. So with that i'm nervous that they're not going to unlike dogfish head or even Sam Adams or um, Founders or any of the other large breweries that we that are still innovating and trying new things. Sierra, New Belgium, they're always coming out with new stuff. I don't know if Ballast Point's gonna be doing that because none of the f- folks that had that original creative spark are still with the company. Yeah, and you know, that brings up a good point that I had not considered and it just dawned on me. You know, a lot of these things that I'm seeing on the list that we named that we don't see anymore, it's possible that because nobody's there anymore that the parent company has decided to pull those more specialty limited release beers out and focus solely on the stuff that they can market year round in six packs and move away from the bottled version because a lot of the miscellaneous stuff I haven't seen anymore. There's things on there like, and that's the thing, like, you know, we talked about how bad Habanero Sculpin is, burn your mouth out. They had another one, the Thai Chili Wahoo. That thing was as spicy as the Habanero. Yeah. And it burned your mouth out. And then the Indra Kunindra that I had heard was awful. It, the People just said it tasted like straight curry. So a lot of this more experimental stuff might be getting kicked and pushed to the just, wayside. Just gone. Yeah, yeah. They may just be saying, hey, we don't want to do this. It's a limited market appeal. It takes away capacity from us mm-hmm. to brew the stuff that we know we can sell. But and they have so many breweries there. Like that's the other the side on that 
it, they don't have a creative head. That's mm-hmm. I guess that's where it comes down to is they have breweries, they have the brewing capacity, they can clearly do things, but I think they lack creative drive moving forward. It'll be interesting to see in the next few years where they head as a brewery and whether or not this is going to be something that they narrow the portfolio down to just like 10 or 12 beers. They have like, you know, the six or seven that they release year round and then like four or five seasonals and limited releases or if they keep some of this expanded portfolio available. Yeah. I mean, not even some of the other uh, breweries we've talked about that have done full sellouts like Wicked Weed, even they have more creative, uh, they sell their creative elements in the company. So they're still able to do new things. Still, I mean, I guess my take on Ballast Point is it's a good brewery. I'm glad we did it. I wish we could have had more from them because when we put them on our list, we're still thinking like two years ago when they just had so much variety and we were so excited. And then we got into it and we're like, oh, where'd all the beer go? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this one, I mean, pick it up if you find it. It's, it's a bad. decent beer. Yeah, yeah, it's not a bad beer. It's a decent beer. But if you're in like San Diego, Southern California, that area, there's a lot of other really good craft breweries local to there that you aren't going to get outside of there that I would take the time to go visit instead. Yeah. Definitely. But if you're in Chicago or Daleville, Virginia, swing by. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, uh, I don't know about the craft beer scene in Chicago, but there's probably nothing in Daleville, Virginia. Uh, Daleville, Virginia is just north of Roanoke. Um, so no. No. Nothing. Well, there's a Rogue? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you got two brews. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, all in all, I thought that was a, it was a pretty good episode. Yeah. Pretty decent, good beer. decent yeah. beers. Interesting history on Ballast Point will be, like we said, interesting to see where they go in the future. Oh, we hope you guys enjoyed the episode and uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this week's Brew News. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to subscribe and give us a rating in whichever app you found us on. We value your feedback and it also helps the show reach more viewers. If you have any thoughts or suggestions for future breweries or are with a brewery and like to join us, feel free to tweet at or follow us on Twitter at brew underscore news. On Untapped, Travis is Mather Nuts and Andrew is Tuba Steve. We're on Instagram at brewnewspod and you can visit our website brewnewspod.com where we will post our tasting and episode notes. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Anchor, Spotify, or whichever podcast platform you use. Thanks for listening and we'll be back next week to look at another exciting brewery. Cheers. Cheers.